Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Wednesday, 11th of October. Good morning. Joining me now as we break down all the market action. Good morning, Ryan Huang. Good morning, Michelle. As you mentioned yesterday, earnings season is upon us once again. So this morning, I thought we'd start with two very different companies. I'm actually a fan of both of their products. I think Ryan has a soft spot for (laughs) one of them. Maybe his wife likes the other. Let me fill you in. One company is best known for its soda pop and the other for its luxury goods. The companies in question are PepsiCo and LVMH. And they're both facing declining sales numbers, so the impact on their bottom lines has been markedly different. I'm going to start with PepsiCo. It netted more than $3 billion US dollars in the third quarter of the year. That is better than expected. So when you look at Pepsi's numbers, Ryan, what stands out? Yeah, so it's interesting. On one hand, you've got a bit of a bright spot to talk about, and this is where Pepsi has raised its annual profit forecast for a third time in a row. So third quarter in a row. So this is a third time this year. So it is looking more optimistic about this full year forecast. And one of the factors here is the multiple price hikes it has been able to price into its products and pass on to customers. And of course, we've heard about how customers or rather um, these companies have been going through overhead costs, pressures, labor wages have been going up and all the raw ingredients are costing more as well. So companies have to raise their prices. And it looks like to some extent, consumers have been able to digest it. But I think this is where the catch is. Mm. You now have sales volume dropping. So that is a sign that perhaps we could be near an inflection point when it comes to how much more consumers are willing to pay for PepsiCo products, snacks and beverages, you know, delays, potato chips, your Pepsi beverages, and so on. So this is worth noting because PepsiCo has been able to offset the um, drop in sales volume with the price hikes. So now the question is, can it continue to do so for the coming quarters? So interesting times for PepsiCo. Yeah, you often think of PepsiCo as something with inelastic demand, but there definitely is a price ceiling, at least on my in my household. So PepsiCo has been raising prices to make up for those higher costs. Consumers are buying fewer Pepsi products as a result, but those higher prices have more than made up for the decline in volume. And Pepsi's profits are up. All right, from that overview, I want to turn now to the luxury goods company LVMH. Their portfolio of labels include Louis Vuitton, Dior, Tiffany and Bulgari. It grossed nearly 20 billion euros during the third quarter of the year. That is 9% higher than the year earlier. And while this might sound good, it actually marks a slowdown for the company uh, below expectations. So why is LVMH's profits growth slowing? Yeah, so perhaps more signs that people are cutting back on luxury spending, at least post-pandemic boom times are over. So this is where you've got a third quarter softening Mm -hmm. and shoppers just cutting back on things like high-end cognac and costly handbags. Maybe the shopping spree is really over because there was a lot of pent-up savings from the pandemic that maybe they thought, hey, it's time to pamper myself after such hard times, maybe buy a new handbag for myself. 
And maybe they don't need it that much anymore. So I think this is being reflected to some extent in the third quarter for LVMH, where revenue was up 9%. And if you look at the expectations from investors, it does look like they are starting to price that in to the share price. Um, since April, the share price or the market cap for LVMH has lost over $100 billion since. Gosh. So this in a space of six months. Mm. So perhaps a reflection of what else might play out in the industry. LVMH is the first of the blocks in the luxury space to release the numbers. First of the blocks, not looking good. Shares of, um, let's t- shares of PepsiCo, by the way, closed up nearly 2% overnight. LVMH finished 2% lower. So if we zoom back out again, take a look at those profit numbers. S&P 500 companies are expected to report slightly lower earnings this quarter, a drop of 0.3% as compared to a year earlier. It's according to FactSet. Companies have been lowering their expectations as inflation takes a bite out of consumer purchasing power. Let's turn to broader markets now. The Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped more than 200 points in early trade before settling off a little in the afternoon session. The Dow finished up 0.4%. The S&P 500 Nasdaq did even better. They both climbed more than half a percent. What's behind this positive turnaround? Yeah, so it does look like you've got a bit more relief coming back into the markets. And this coming through from where bonds are going. So notable moves in the bonds space where we have the 10-year bonds falling by around 15 basis points. So in terms of moves, this is quite a big move. And this is now at 4.65% from 4.8%, which was near 16-year highs. And part of that reason could be because of all the Fed speak that has been coming through in the past few days. Uh, and this really around the message that perhaps um, they might not need to keep rates as high as previously expected or as long as previously expected as well. So that seems to be taking away some of the um, support from bond yields climbing in recent weeks. So something to keep an eye out for. And of course, the earnings picture will continue to steer sentiment. Mm -hmm. And we've got the banks set to release their numbers at the end of the week. And you might remember not too long ago, Moody's downgraded mid-sized banks. So there's a bit of a warning sign for what's to come when it comes to the, I guess, ecosystem or the sentiment around bank lending and possible... Um, indicators as well around how much we want to buy property with the mortgage picture as well. Mm -hmm. So you've got the consumer spending picture as well, the credit card numbers that could paint how resilient the consumer is in the US. So lots to come in the next few days. Credit card numbers and Fed speak apparently uh, leading the market sentiment to be a little bit more positive. Thanks for that great overview. Let's turn to China where there are fresh signs that the country's property debt crisis is getting worse. One of the PRC's biggest developers, Country Garden, has missed a loan payment and says it may not be able to pay its overseas debts. What's going on? Yeah, so... It is yet another bleak chapter in the property story for China. And this is where Country Garden is now showing perhaps the strongest sign that it is going for its first debt restructuring 
chapter. Uh, so this will be the maiden default, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And this is coming off the back of its stock exchange falling on Tuesday, where it said it will not be able to meet all of its future offshore payment obligations, including dollar bonds. So pretty much money not enough to pay up everyone ills. So this is not good news for anyone who invested in Country Garden, who has bought into bonds or even the stock price shareholders or stock shareholders. So this is going to mean it is going to go through a long drawn process and creditors will have to line up for whatever is left over at the end of the day and possibly going to mean a risk of liquidation as well with what's going to play out. So it is going to be tough times ahead for a property sector because Country Garden uh, is a big property player. It has outstanding projects. So if it can't operate it, operate as per normal, um, a lot of property buyers are going to be left holding the bag. As you say, difficult times ahead, but if we look back to its recent history, for the past two years, as other Chinese developers struggled, Country Garden appeared to have its fiscal house in order. But the property slowdown in China, particularly in those third and fourth tier cities, that's where Country Garden has focused its business on, that's come home to Mm. roost for this company. Shares of Country Garden, meanwhile, fell about 11% over in Hong Kong yesterday. They are down about 70% since the start of the year. If we take a step back, do you think it may be too early to say whether Country Garden will survive its cash crunch? And if it doesn't, whether or not there could be ripple effects? Yeah, I think you alluded to this earlier on, how Country Garden got into this uh, whole mess. It it was ramping up a lot of projects in the Tier 3 and Tier 4 cities. And one day, it just could not continue building on that momentum. And this came to fall on... um, the backdrop of rising rates, the economy going through a bit of a slump, and then it just could not continue building on its uh, momentum when it comes to borrowing money to fund future projects. So that uh, that is really starting to bite Country Garden um, now and see its uh, plans backfire. And if you look at the latest sales for September, it plunged 81%. And this accelerates the declines in the past few months. So it reflects a wider backdrop of sentiment in the property sector just continuing to get worse. People are just getting a bit fearful about buying property now, putting off purchases perhaps, Mm. and also being affected by other factors like the cost of living and the concerns around the stability of their jobs, especially so for the youth who are seeing high unemployment rates, in fact, a record high. So all these structural issues have yet to be resolved and you really need something on the fiscal front to help address these issues to, uh, I guess, address the confidence crisis that's playing out in China right now. Yeah, speaking of confidence, Country Garden may not be paying its debts, but it's not exactly waving the white flag either. It says its top priority is to ensure the delivery of those unfinished flats, something which is also a priority for Beijing. In other news from China, there are reports that Beijing is preparing to launch a new round of fiscal stimulus measures to give the country's economy that much-needed boost. Do we know how how much China is likely to spend. Yeah, so it is interesting to see yet more talk about stimulus. Hopefully it comes. And of course, the question mark is when as well. So this is now 
putting in the number 1 trillion yuan in reports. That is around 137 billion US dollars. So that's on the table apparently. And this is a report citing people familiar with the matter. So it's not official yet. Mm -hmm. So we could get more stimulus to help the economy in China meet the government's annual growth target, which is around 5%. So this could see it go into infrastructure spending, quite a familiar playbook for China, Mm -hmm. and into projects like water, conservancy, among others. So it is going to be a big question mark if we will see it, and then when will we see it? Because there's been so much expectations that they will do something sometime, but we haven't really seen anything uh, major yet from China. Still waiting for those moves. Okay, let's switch from China to India now, where we revisit the Adani Group, whose business interests include ports, green energy, mining, food processing, much, much more. It wasn't that long ago that Adani was making daily headlines following that scathing report by... Hindenburg Research, remember that, that alleged malfeasance. There are now signs that Adani has closed the book on that chapter and finally moved past it. What do we know? Yeah, so good news for Adani because a group of banks are in talks to lend him money. Mm. $250 million each. And this will go towards a syndicated loan of about $3.5 billion to refinance debt that Adani Group already took to purchase... Ambuja Cements. So the three banks are Barclays, Deutsche Bank and Standard Chartered. And this is based on reports citing people um, familiar with the matter. But of course, uh, no official word yet. But it is a vote of confidence from banks that Adani, based on their due diligence, Mm -hmm. is doing okay despite the accusations from Hindenburg that there is fraudulent stuff going on malfeasance, as you pointed out. Those accusations do not seem to be deterring these banks from putting a lot of money behind Adani. A $3.5 billion uh, loan from Abuja moving ahead. We should note that this loan to the Adani Group by Barclays, Deutsche Bank and Standard Chartered has not yet been finalised, but if it does go through, it would seem to indicate that Adani has finally put the ghosts of Hindenburg research behind it. Shares of Adani Enterprises are up over the past week, but they're still trading about 35% lower when I look at the beginning of the year. All right, it is time to get on that seesaw. It's corporate news time. Up or down style. Is HP up or down? All right, I am going with up because (laughs) HP is looking a bit optimistic about the outlook, so much so that it has raised is planned dividend amount to $1.10 per share, which is a 5% increase from a prior dividend. So looking quite resilient despite all the talk about a a PC uh, and device slump. Yeah, HP earnings numbers have come in below expectations, but the computer maker has a lot of cash on hand, more than $3 billion US dollars. So it is going to give investors those high dividend payments. HP shareholders can expect a 5% rise as they receive an annual dividend of $1.10 per share. So that is an up in my book. All right. Where is Samsung Electronics in your book? Yeah, Samsung was bracing investors for a plunge in its profit and the numbers came out this morning. Mm. Indeed, indeed, it was a big drop, but not as bad as expected. 77.9% is the drop. The number earlier was around 80%. So I guess it beats expectations 
But glass half empty is, it is a drop. And this is where I suppose you want to decide what to make of it. You know? Is this going to be the turnaround or is this going to be a prolonged slump? So for some, they are thinking, hey, this is the start of a recovery from the excess inventory of uh, memory chips in the market. Um, but of course, um, it is tough times for the wider industry. We have also been hearing from other Samsung rivals like SK Hynix, Micron Technology, and things uh, you know, going through a bit of a sluggish uh, landscape right now when it comes to demand from customers for PCs and smartphones. So they don't really need that much chips. And this is all weighing possibly on their next um, quarterly numbers. It is weighing on it, isn't it? Samsung is the world's largest manufacturer of memory chips, smartphones and televisions, but it is reporting its fourth straight quarterly decline in sales and you can point to that global chip glut. It is hurting the company's bottom line. Samsung's operating profits are down nearly 80%. Next up, I'm going to look at China's biggest food delivery platform. They're called Meituan. How are they looking? I am looking at down. So you've got losses piling up for Meituan and this comes as I suppose it faces a very tough operating environment. It's got a lot of competition Mm. and to some extent as well, consumers are not willing to pay as much. So margins are also under pressure for Meituan. So it is facing pressure on its stock price as well where its shares have fallen 40% 40% since the start of the year in Hong Kong. Fund managers have been offloading Meituan shares amid these signs of flagging sales. Meituan shares down 40% since the start of the year. But if China does introduce new fiscal stimulus, as we talked about a little earlier in this show, I wouldn't be surprised if Meituan rebounded. Let's look at Keppel Reed, Ryan. All right, Keppel Reed's got some good news to share. And this is in Australia, where it has a new anchor tenant for its um, Blue and William office development in North Sydney. Mm. So this is going to be good news. And this is Equifax, which occupies more than 4,300 square meters on that property. So... Always good news to have an anchor tenant, so I am going up for Keppel Reed. Yeah, so who is Keppel Reed's new uh, anchor tenant? Equifax, you might remember that name. They're a US credit rating agency. They've taken up space in Keppel Reed's uh, North Sydney Blue and Williams office development, so that's a plus. But only about half of the development's office space has been leased. Plus, analysts are concerned that Keppel Reed's profits could be hurt by higher interest rates. So despite the good news mm-hmm. that Equifax is moving in, I'm still going to give Keppel Reed a down. All right, he's been all over my news feed. FTX's founder, Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah, so FTX, of course, under a lot of scrutiny for allegedly the theft of customer money. And now the ex-girlfriend is appearing in court and has pointed her finger at SBF, saying... Yeah. SBF made me do it, pretty much. And this is where she says, SBF said, you know, this is what you needed to do and um, is ultimately responsible for the theft of the billions of dollars in customer money and also the risky strategy that's been employed at Alameda Research. That's it. A little bit of backstory. Sam Bankman-Fried is on trial for fraud, conspiracy and money laundering. His ex-girlfriend and former employee Caroline Ellison took the stand to testify against him overnight. She is the government's star witness and she says Bankman-Fried 
pretty much directed her to commit the crimes, it also took her a full 30 seconds to recognize her ex-boyfriend in the courtroom when asked to do so. That's a down for Sam Bankman-Fried. For our last word, we're looking down, we're looking at our shoes. Birkenstock will go public on the New York Stock Exchange tomorrow. It's priced its IPO at 46 US dollars per share. That's around the midpoint of the IPO's pricing range. Now, on previous market views right here in the morning, we've talked about how Birkenstock says it's selling footbeds. And that term is really stuck. We're not talking about that today. Instead, our last word belongs to another shoemaker, Crocs, which is now selling, wait for it, cowboy boots. Yeah, you heard that. Some people are calling them croots. Um, have you seen these? They even come with spinnable spurs. Yeah, I am struggling to <laughs> digest this, right? As you know, Crocs is a very divisive project, uh, topic. You have your haters and you have your lovers. And now Crocs is taking it on to a new level. Imagine your uncles and aunties line dancing <laughs> they typically wear these cowboy boots right now they could be wearing crocs uh, that's it i have to say i hate the look of crocs um i always fear that i'm going to get my foot stuck in an escalator if i ever deign to buy a croc yeah. but these boots look great well you've got to describe it a bit so it's like an actual cowboy boot except you've got the iconic Crocs holes on the, <laughs> um, what do you call it, the toe covers? That's yeah. it. The toe area is a, definitely a croc, but then it grows upwards into a cow, cowboy boot. And it's uh, the one I'm looking at is black and leather and really quite stylish along with those spurs. I'm not sure why you still need spurs. Oh yeah, you can add boots? your own gibbets like the croc star to make it an actual cowboy looking boot. Like, There's <laughs> a lot of accessories you can put on. Shiny spurs as well. So lots of ventilation holes, that's what they call it. It's got croc skin texture. Mm. Well, if you're into the cowboy style, you've now got a new option. Well, tie me down. I might go out and get myself some Crocs. This isn't the first time that Crocs has introduced uh, bizarre shoes. Back in 2020, there was a KFC chicken-scented Crocs. I missed that one. Yeah, it I is um, Croctober, by the way. This is where they typically have a new oh. launch of um, a new product. In the meantime, there's no shortage of online video reels, so you can check out what we're talking about. Those uh, Croc black embossed boots. Um, so, I, shall I put that on your Christmas list? Right? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll try it out. Alrighty. Okay, thank you so much for listening. I've got to go shopping now for Ryan. Stay tuned. More of the show is coming right up. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.